hosting for your tech life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want. all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good day. Thanks for listening to Your Tech Life. Thanks for downloading Your Tech Life episode 340. Thanks to the good folk at Garmin, Satellite Navigation, GPS Technology and Alcatel with the Go Play now available. Two ninety nine, shockproof, waterproof, dustproof, pretty cracking great product, that one. Uh, check it out at Big W and other places like that. We'll tell you about those companies shortly. They support your tech life. Hopefully you'll support them. A fair few things to tell you about tonight. Um, and I may get ranty, I'll be honest. Uh, I may get bank ranty. Uh, you may have already read my rant, but I will, um, I will <laughs> verbalise that uh, on your tech life this evening. Um, that relates to the big banks and uh, the way they are treating Australian consumers. Um, we'll also talk about um, things to help you buy a car, an app that helps you buy a car. Didn't think you'd know about that, did you? Um, Vodafone's making roaming easier again for a different group of people. And uh, some headphones that have no cables. Now, I didn't review these, Jeff did, but I find them an interesting product. And I'd love to know your thoughts. And I'd love to know your thoughts on anything on the show. Your Tech Life is the show. You can find me on iTunes if you've been subscribed for a long time. You, you know, you might be in a different app or something like that. Um, you don't need to, uh, you don't need to resubscribe. But if you could jump on iTunes at some point, leave a rating, a review, um, then hey, other people might find the show, like the show, and well, they might start listening and enjoy the show. That's the that's the plan. That's the intent. This is Your Tech Life. You know what I'll do um, in thinking about the the reviews on iTunes? Um, I'd love for you to do that. Now, uh, several people, many people, hundreds of people have already left a review. And I appreciate those reviews. I've read most of them out. um, And I appreciate that loyalty from those listeners, which may also, and my next thought may upset some of those listeners. Because here's what I'm thinking. Um, what I am going to do is offer a, a prize. We'll just call it a prize. I've got some drink bottles here. I've got some EFTM drink bottles here. Um, I've really got to get rid of them. Uh, so I'm going to take five of those drink bottles, one in each color, a yellow, a red, a blue, an orange, and a silver. And the the best five comments in the next week or the first five, if I only get five. Um, But the best five that I choose, um, I will send you an EFTM drink bottle. um, So I will have a look at the ratings next week. I better make a note. Episode 341. Review drink bottles. I'll probably probably look at that next week and think, which drink bottle should should I be reviewing? No, but if you leave an iTunes rating, um, I'm going to go there next week. I'm going to find five people, and I'm going to... um, I'm going to send out some drink bottles. Now, the critical thing here is, right, there's no addresses, there's no names. It's all code words and things on iTunes. So you need to take a screenshot of yourself leaving the comment and email. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au, and let me know what name you used to leave your comment, what what nickname, um, and I will then use that to determine uh, how to get in touch with you. Um, so that's a bit of fun. And, and, yes, I understand that some people won't be able to leave comments because you already have. But this is my way of rewarding new listeners or inactive listeners. 
So, hey, jump on, have some fun, leave a comment, and other people will learn to enjoy the show as well, because this is your Tech Life. It might sound crazy what I'm about to say, but travel along the world's best techie. He's the kind of guy we picked on at school, and it wasn't fair. So there was a story today in the News Limited websites that um, that talked about a guy who suffered burns to his upper thigh from an iPhone explosion slash fire. It's pretty unbelievable. Now, um, very interesting because obviously, you know, your initial reaction is, oh my God, what's happening here? But um, here's the deal. This guy was mountain biking, and he had, uh, you know, like lycra skins on, and then he had a, um, a pair of shorts on, and he had his mobile phone in his back pocket. He fell off the mountain bike and, you know, hurt himself, and he's like trying to get up, and then he feels this burning, and, and he, he, it literally kind of explodes in his back pocket. Now, the, the burns are quite severe. He had to go to Royal North Shore, get a uh, skin graft, Um He's not at all, you know, angry at Apple for the device burning. <coughs> Excuse me. But he is, you know, worried that it might be a bigger problem. Now, we did a story on this tonight on A Current Affair. Um, it's interesting to talk about because I think it's important we don't freak out about this, right? Don't, don't go thinking your phone's going to explode. Apple has sold one billion iPhones. One billion. And I can only think of a few cases of any kind of concern. And as I said on A Current Affair, if you... You know, break your phone, um, smash it in an airline seat, or smash it with a, ha- a hammer like an idiot. There are chances that it may you may damage the battery, which will then cause this issue. So what's happened here is somehow um, parts of the phone have, you know, in the in the break they've pierced the battery, and that causes a different chemical reaction. It causes the battery to to start to either burn, implode, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's caused, you know, some serious damage to this guy, and I hope he gets better and, and hope he's okay. Um, but it's a warning to people that these things shouldn't shouldn't be taken lightly, right? And this is why we have the the regulations about lithium-ion batteries on um, on uh, planes, uh, you know, drone batteries and things like that. They should be kept in the in the cabin because if that fire happens in the hold, in the cargo hold, no one may know until a catastrophic failure. So. They're an interesting product, the lithium-ion battery. They, they drive our world almost literally now with Tesla cars and things. Um, they are not inherently uh, dangerous as products that we carry around, but they are most certainly potentially dangerous in, in high-stress environments. I remember seeing a, a video of a drone, that, uh, quite a high-powered drone, that flew into the side of a building. Now, the building um, crash didn't hurt it, but falling to the ground, you know, the batteries ruptured and a huge kind of mini mini fire explosion and quite an intense heat too 
um, happen from that. So there's lots of these incidents. You can look them on YouTube. There's lots of lithium-ion battery fires. People try to implode them, explode them. And the other thing is there's a lot of dodgy products out there, i.e. hoverboards from last year, that don't have the electrical support to stop them from overheating and, and, impl- and exploding when charging, catching fire. So that, and, you know, an Apple iPhone doesn't do that. You could charge your phone for 10 days nonstop. It will just sit there at 100% and it may heat up, but it, it won't explode because they have intelligence built into the device. That's what you want in a product. But I do worry more and more about battery packs and things like that. People need to be careful about, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't leave any brand of battery pack uh, charging continuously. I'd, I'd unplug that um, as soon as you could. Um, because, you know, those battery packs, you never know where they're from. You really don't know the, the deep down uh, intricate details of their um, of their electrical systems and things. But an amazing story. If you haven't seen the pictures, be be prepared for graphic images of a bloke's ass. Um, but, um, but yeah, a, a terrible, terrible incident for, um, for, for this guy. So hopefully he's okay and he recovers well. And we wish him all the best, but a good, um, a good alert for all of us that they are, um, they are a, a dangerous product. The, um, the lithium-ion batteries are a dangerous thing, and we should be careful of them. Um, you're listening to Your Tech Life. We'll turn your steps into strides with Vivo Smart HR Plus from Garmin, the GPS activity tracker with Elevate Wrist Heart Rate Technology. Not only does it count steps, calories, floors, climbs, and intensity minutes, it uses GPS satellites to track how far and how fast you go during almost any activity. From running to rollerblading, it also includes a move bar that gives you a vibrating reminder to get up and move whenever you've been inactive for too long. Stay connected with smart notifications that include text, email, call, social media, calendar alerts, and more right on your wrist. Um, the Vivo Smart HR is a is an impressive bit of kit. Uh, it's probably the, the HR Plus, that is. It's the top of the line in terms of the wrist-based trackers from uh, from Garmin. They have a whole range of them. The Vivo Move, I've told you about before, the Elegant Watch, the Vivo Fit 3, the Vivo Smart HR, and the Vivo Smart HR Plus. Um, that's a cracking range of products, including others that exist as well, the Vivo Active range as well. But um, the Vivo Smart HR Plus is different from Garmin's other activity trackers, not because it lacks any of their their features, but because of what it includes that they don't. Uh, Built-in GPS is a big deal because it monitors your activity and, and that's an extra level of data for you when you're, when you're um, comparing your data and looking at how you've been going. Check it out right now at garmin.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your Tech, tech life. life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading episode 340, Your Tech Life. Uh, if you've got a question about technology, problem with some piece of technology in your life, uh, do get in touch. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Marco. G'day, Trevor. What's happening, mate? I'm oh, just kicking back after a day's work. As you do, as you do. How can I help? Mate, I, uh, I've had, I've used Mac, uh, MacBook for quite a long time. I have a MacBook uh, Air 13 inch, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, I've had it for quite some time. But it's starting to play up now, and I've heard the Surface Book Pro is is a pretty good system to move to. But I'm not quite sure if I could transfer everything on my hard drive there to a Surface Book Pro, or indeed whether or not I should actually just stick with Apple and uh, and uh, stay there or, or move across. Well, I mean, you're right. The Surface is a great device. Um, I really like what Microsoft's done with the Surface. I, I'm actually using a, a Samsung Galaxy Tab Pro S at the moment. It's a, it's a really nice Windows device as well. So there are a lot of Windows tablets, Windows laptops, Windows computers out there, which are awesome. Uh, so a lot more choice than there were, you know, four years ago when you and I both bought um, MacBook Airs. I, mine is about the same age. 
Um, I guess a uh, simple question. What is it that you, th- that you want to take from your existing computer onto the new one? Well, my idea was to port whatever is, whatever is on there across. Yep. What sort and, of things are we talking about though? Uh, just all of my files, all my work files and personal files that are on there effectively. Yep. Now are they just documents in a folder kind of stuff. Is that what you mean? Yeah, most definitely. Plenty of folders and programs and, and, you know, pieces of software, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so, well, so so there's two different things there. The files, don't even worry about. That's easy. USB stick or a portable hard drive, you can just copy them all onto there and you can bring them to your new computer. That's not going to be an issue. Right. But software yep. is a whole other yep. world. What sort of software are we talking? Oh, just pretty much the, just the standard ones. Uh, office? You know, the, uh, yeah, office, the uh, general office products and, and I suppose any of the other... Any of the other individual ones that I use for work, I can re-download. Yeah. It's not really too much of an issue. And then that's the thing. Everything is available on Windows. Um, it's it's more, more often the, the problem the other way around. Uh, so, in, in essence, the answer to your question is, look, um, it, it'll work easy. Uh, you'll transfer your files. You'll, you'll get it all going. The question is, uh, will it be an uncomfortable change for you? Because, you know, Mac versus Windows, very different operating systems. Um, yeah. you know, you're going to have to spend some weeks kind of re-customizing yourself with where everything is. But, mate, if you feel like you're getting a better value, better better deal, better um, device out of a, a Microsoft Surface, for example, then, mate, run like the wind. Go get one because they're a great device. But if you are worried about the kind of the change, the merge, then moving from one Mac to another is a very simple process because you could just do a time machine backup. In fact, you can connect them yeah. to each other and just set the new one up off the old one. Right. Would I gain a lot more from using a device like a Surface Book Pro as against a Mac? I mean, because, I mean, I found what's, the Mac what, to be great. Sort of... The only thing is that mm-hmm. the only thing with the Mac is that I need to run Windows within the Mac using VMware because oh. Oh, some, God, of, if the, you do... some oh, of the mate. spreadsheets that I use for the various banks, etc., they're not compatible oh, with right. Mac, and I need to run Windows within the Mac as well, which sometimes plays up and causes me a headache. In on, fact, on I haven't that, been able to use on that basis alone. On that basis alone, yeah. I'd get a get a Windows device outright. Right. If you're running Windows as a VM, I mean, you may as well just have a Windows computer. It's just it's kind. Of, I know this reliable uh, parallels VMware. They're all good, but seriously, just to get unless there's another reason to keep the Mac, then I don't know yeah. why you'd bother, mate. It's so much easier. Right. But remember, are you using Office for Mac or are you using Office within yes, Windows? Office for Mac. So I only go into I only go into Windows whenever I need to, right. which is you know which is every now and again. It's certainly not even every day. And you work in finance. That's right. Yeah. So do you meet with uh, individuals like you go out on the road meeting with customers, or are you in the yeah, office? Yeah, sure do. Yeah, meet then, clients in home. Then you know road, a Surface is a great cetera. thing for that because a Surface right. allows you to have that kind of hey, let's let me just hold this tablet while we're sitting here at the table together and show you these things. So it does actually right. become a, I think, a better device in those circumstances, mate. Right, because you can detach the keyboard from the yeah. monitor. Yeah, you, you've got a tablet right? there. You can just sit there, flick through a presentation. Um, you can, you know, browse through websites. You can, you can really yeah. show people. You've got the, you got the pencil, the pen. You know, the the stylus yeah. that you can tap on the screen, and you know, you can. It's a little. It sounds crazy, but for some clients, that's that'll that'll impress them because you're you're savvy. You're with it. You know, you're you're connected as opposed yeah. to someone coming around with a bunch of folders. You know, saying here's yeah. the, here's the offers we have. Um, I think, oh, mate, I think a service is, is made for you. Right, right. I don't like to include too much technology in in those uh, 
you know, at those meetings. Yeah. Um, you know, but obviously because I don't want to make it too overly complex for, for customers as well. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of tend to stick to the high-level stuff. But but um, is the Surface Book Pro, is it, once again, is it, is it, is it, is it are they fast like the MacBook Airs? Are oh, they, yeah, yeah. I mean, look. Um, are they reliable? Because, I mean, I found the Apple to be just, a fantastically robust product. It just just works so well for the last you know four years that I've had it. It's only started to play up now. And you know I've what? Used it virtually I, every day for four years. I agree wholeheartedly. That is one of the things that, that that keep me in the Mac ecosystem. I think they've done a great job with that. Um, mm. For the same reason, that's why the Microsoft Service Book is probably a better option than other Windows because it's made by Microsoft. Um, it, you know, they built the whole whole kit. Now, if you're in the Sydney area, then you can just walk into the Microsoft store in Pitt Street and say, what's wrong with this? Fix it. And they're there for you. So the Surface Book is by far and away the best of the Surface solutions for you because it is a genuine laptop in a sense. Very yeah. robust keyboard as opposed to just the Surface, which has an, a detachable flimsy keyboard. Um, yeah. And as for specifications, you know, you can you can spec that thing right up and spend $5,000 on it. Um, yeah. That's really the question for me is, value-wise, when you put a 256-gig hard drive with an Intel Core i5, which is going to cost you three grand, right, up against a Mac, I actually think you'll probably find the Mac is cheaper. Sorry, what was that, Trevor? You may find the Mac is cheaper. Well, I think the Macs generally run at about 128 Core i5s at around about 1,600, 1,700. They're retailing for, I think, aren't they? A 128 Core i5 is 2200 Oh, is it? For a okay. MacBook. For, sorry, for a right. Microsoft Surface Book. Right. So, so it's a little bit more expensive, perhaps. Yeah, it is. Because remember, it's, this is a detachable touchscreen. There's a few big advantages there, right? The detachable screen, it's a touchscreen. There's things that Macs don't have there, right? Um, right. So, so that's a really important thing to remember is that there's when you are comparing them price for price, the, yeah. the Microsoft Surface Book has those additional features. Right. If I was to jump across to a Surface, what do you recommend? A three, a four? Is are they virtually the same? Are there stark differences? A, a Surface? Oh, yeah, a Surface oh, Book Pro. Well, there's 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 either Surface or Surface Book, right? So Surface right. Book is the one with the hard, proper keyboard, looks like a laptop, but the screen comes off, right? Right. That's the expensive, you know, high end of town stuff. That's that's going right. to really set you back. Whereas a Surface Pro. Um, is also right. expensive, but it's not as expensive because it doesn't have that bulky keyboard. But it also, therefore, doesn't have as long a battery life and a few other things about right. it. So, but you would recommend for my industry that the Surface, the Surface Book, book. But only because mate, you're going from a laptop. Um, right. I'd want you to be very, very comfortable with a Surface. If you didn't like, if you didn't go Surface Book. I'd want you to spend a bit of time in the store feeling that keyboard, understanding right. how it works, because it's a very different feeling to have this flimsy detachable keyboard compared right. to what is the Surface Book, which is a laptop with a removable screen. So gotcha. big difference, laptop with a removable screen versus tablet with, a ta- with a, an attachable keyboard. That's right. how I would describe the Surface Book versus the Surface Pro. Right. Um, but gotcha. um, they don't. But but they both do the same thing, right? This is the challenge. They both will physically do what you need them to do. It's just a yeah. comfort thing. How does it feel in the hand? How does it feel to type and those kind of things? Right. So best thing to just travel into a Microsoft store and have a play around. I would, first. mate. I would spend half a day, you know, in yeah. terms of travel and everything. Go into the pit street. Go and have lunch. Go to the Microsoft store and actually yeah. just spend some time there. Talk to them. 
Um, don't buy anything on the day. Don't don't impulse buy. You're in finance, so you probably don't do that anyway. Um, you're not as bad as me. Um, and actually just feel them, hold them, and really get a sense right. of it. And, you know, they've got them there on the Wi-Fi. Mate, just do just spend, spend yeah. 10 minutes doing some emails or something, you know, so you can feel what it's like. Right. It's a lot I of money. See. You gotta try before you buy, you know, it's a lot of money. Yeah, and it's something that obviously that, that I want to use for the next, you know, that's three right. years before I replace again. So. Yeah, exactly. I've yeah, not, and here's right. the other thing. I've not heard anyone complain about a Surface. I've never had a call complaining about well, a Surface or a Surface book. Um, and that's that's not to say it's it's perfect because they, there's just not many of them as many of them out there. But they aren't they aren't as popular. But I also you know you normally the 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 bad stuff rises to the top on the internet. So I would have heard about it by now if there were problems. Right. So I feel pretty comfortable right. recommending it to you. Okay. Excellent. Good luck, man. Perfect. Thank you, Trevor. Much and appreciated. No problem at all. And uh, thanks for getting in touch. You're welcome. Have a great night. Good on you, mate. And uh, if you've got a question, like Marco, get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading uh, Your Tech Life, the name of the show, episode 340. We do it all thanks to the good people at Alcatel. And if you go to Big W online, you'll find a range of Alcatel products there. The Alcatel Pixie 3, which is a 3.5-inch Android smartphone, $79. I've used this. It's a great phone. No, it doesn't have an amazing camera. No, the screen is not sensational, but it's a phone. It allows you to text. It allows you to receive calls. It allows you to install apps. It allows you to look at Facebook and Instagram and all those things for just 79 bucks. Uh, you pump it up a bit, and for $2.99, you get the GoPlay, which is a shockproof, waterproof, dustproof smartphone, and it does everything you would want, and it has a great screen, great camera, and great speed and performance. So the Alcatel range, um, many of which are available at Big W, check them out online at Alcatel. Uh, search for them and look at their uh, products at Big W. Alcatel. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your tech, tech life. life with Trevor Long. Okay, so here's my problem. Apple Pay. I know I've been banging on about it for a while, but I can now sound less like an Apple fanboy and I can say Android Pay as well. American Express. ANZ. Excellent. They both offer Apple Pay and Android Pay. Commonwealth Bank customers, Westpac customers, NAB customers, St. George customers, Bendigo Bank customers, <laughs> nothing. Now, while I stupidly just assumed they were holding out, <clears throat> waiting to negotiate, doing whatever it is, oh no, <clears throat> no, 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 no. They have officially lodged an application those banks together as a group, they've lodged an application to act as a cartel. They've lodged an application to act together in negotiations with Google, Samsung, Apple, or whoever might be offering digital wallets. Now, let me just start with a simple thing. I've not seen any contracts between any banks and any phone companies, but the word on the street is Apple takes a cut of purchases that happen through Apple Pay. And the word on the street is it's two-fifths of bugger all. We're talking like percentages of a cent in $100, right? Google, allegedly, take nothing. They need nothing. So if this is about money, why are they all with Android Pay? Um, they also cite in their application that it relates to the hardware and getting access to the hardware. Uh, I think on most Android 
modern phones, the banks can get access to the NFC hardware through their own apps. Let's not kid ourselves. They, they talk about Google, they talk about Samsung, but really, this is about Apple. They're dirty, they're filthy, that Apple has created a system, a phone, that doesn't give them access to the NFC chip so that their own apps can create a tap-and-go situation. Now, I'll tell you what I think, and uh, I should say, uh, if there are any kiddies uh, listening, um, maybe you should block your ears, because Uncle Trev's going to say a naughty word, and I've said this naughty word um, before, and I've also said it on my website. The banks think they are king shit when it comes to what customers want, but I've got news for you, they're not. They don't know what customers want. And they've proven it again today. All the banks, including the ANZ, have failed to pass on the Reserve Bank uh, interest rate cut. Done that before. We're kind of used to it now. But they actually cite there that they have to keep the interest of shareholders in mind. Here's the thing. I love the Commonwealth Bank app. I think it's great. I think they've done a great job with that. I love the St. George app. I've used it. I've been a St. George customer. It's excellent. I don't think people want to use, to open an app, do all that stuff to get access to a payment mechanism. I think people just want to hold their phone up, tap it and go. And that's what Apple Pay offers. That's what Android Pay offers. And these banks are being little children at preschool, performing and acting the way they are. See, if you were smart, you'd do what the ANZ have done and just gone, you know what? It's not ideal, but it's what our customers want. In fact, I spoke to the ANZ, and they gave me a statement which said, we were invited to participate in industry discussions on the introduction of third-party digital wallets in Australia, and we were part of a series of those discussions along with our peers. ANZ also participated with the industry during the um, some process facilitated to develop the third-party digital wallet security guidelines, and we believe... They're an appropriate industry response to the entrance of third-party wallets in Australia. It goes on. We have made clear, we've made a clear choice, however, to embrace customer demand for choice and ended a commercial agreement to offer Apple Pay to our customers in Australia. In this context, we discontinued discussions with the industry on this topic. Since launching Apple Pay in April, we've also partnered with Google to launch Android Pay on top of having our own mobile wallet in the market, ANZ Mobile Pay. Our strategy is built around customer choice, irrespective of handset preference and open philosophy. We're very pleased with our partnership with Apple and our customers are clearly pleased to have been offered that choice. It is unbelievable that the rest of the banks think that even if they are granted the right to participate together in cartel-like activity, which is illegal, which is why they have to apply to get it, that they think Apple will change their stance. Australia is like 3% of the global population. On what grounds do they think Apple will give a flying fig what they think? They'll just say, fine, whatevs, and they just won't care. Now, I've had people uh, comment on Facebook. I had Michael Field say, I've just signed up to American Express and and an American Express card and used Apple Pay for the first time. Got sick of waiting for the Commonwealth Bank. Tomorrow, I plan on using my watch. I love this tech. Neville South, I voted with my feet um, about a week after you did, Trevor. Never look back. Being able to make purchases with my Apple Watch is absolutely amazing. Quick, reliable, simple, won't be going back anytime soon. And it goes on. 
People are sick to death of the big banks not offering choice. Now, say what you like about the ANZ, but at least they're giving you the chance. So my advice is to, in response to the big thing, big middle finger that the big banks have given you, if you are waiting for these technologies, is give it back. Stick your finger up and tell them no and change your bank. Move your accounts and get a new bank because that will start giving them the message. Now, I appreciate that's hard. I'm not saying move your home loan. I'm saying move your everyday banking. Move the account that makes all the purchases because that's where they, they'll lose their little transactional fees. Move that account and let them bloody well know. If you tell them, you tell them on Facebook, you tell them on Twitter, you tell them you've changed banks, they'll start getting the message. And here's the thing. They're, they are ruining the potential for mobile payments in this country. Here we are, a nation that adopted tap-and-go payments at a higher and faster rate than any country in the world per capita, yet we are now stuck. We're stuck with these little plastic cards that if someone takes them, they can tap away $100 at a time. Yet at our doorstep, in our hands, is a device that, for all the banks, could easily offer a huge change in the way we make payments. I just find it stunning, and, and I cannot believe that the banks are acting the way they are towards Australian consumers. So I hope that you vote with your feet. I hope that you, at the, the very least, air your grievances. Um, and I apologise for the rants on it, but it's just honestly frustrating me. I have no commercial relationship with the ANZ, just in case that comes up again. I took my own ass and I took my own feet and I walked into a bank and opened up an account. I then started putting that account on all of my invoicing and that is where I now do all of my main banking. Yes, I still have St. George accounts because I don't have to trouble my poor wife with, with my rants. But in time, we will move all of our accounts. Once I have finished collating a list of all the annoying payments that come out of our accounts. But in terms of my everyday usage, I carry no other bank's cards. I walk around and I tap and go with my watch, with my phone, or with the bit of plastic that's in my hand if I don't have those devices, uh, all of which are ANZ. Because ANZ listened to consumers and adopted Apple Pay in the face of what theoretically isn't the best deal for them. So again, I say, well done, ANZ. And again, I say, stop being greedy, big banks, and start thinking about the customers. It's starting to get a bit ridiculous. Here's a cool app. I talked about it. uh, In fact, I need to check. I need to check. We didn't talk about this last week, did we? No. Because it feels like a while ago that we did this story on um, on uh, Today Show, but it was Friday last week. Money Smart Cars is an app developed by the Australian Securities and Investment Commission's Money Smart Group. Now, it's a very cool idea. Simply put, you open the app and it says, what's the cost of the car? And I'm going to say it's a $34,500 car. Is it new? Yes. Am I? Do I have a loan for it? Yes. And it immediately tells me the monthly cost of this car is $1,204. And the total cost over five years is $74,000. Now, let's say there's no loan. 
The monthly cost is now $504, and the total cost over three years is $53,995. And this is all done by looking at the rego costs. Um, and I can slide that along and say, well, my rego is not as high as they think. It's a bit higher there. The insurance is this. Um, I can look at the running costs and say, oh, I spend more than $50 a week. I, I do spend a bit on parking. I, I do have tolls. Uh, I have a bit of servicing. So you can actually adjust all these things and see in real time what is your monthly cost and the overall cost of these issues. So it's very cool because I don't think people appreciate the cost of a car over time, right? A car costs a certain amount up front, but it actually carries a large cost ongoing, especially in terms of you know insurance. And you often forget that insurance happens and you need to renew it. And therefore, if you spread that over a monthly um billing it's a lot of money every month we spend on our cars so it's a great app it's called money smart cars and you can download it now on the app store and google play uh, on both of them um, and i highly recommend it because it looks like a cracking little app and um and i think it'll do a lot for people who are in the market for a car just in terms of basic education about what this is really costing your tech life with trevor long now, Jeff Quattromani wrote an article for EFTM this week on the Motorola headphones that are entirely cordless. These are the Motorola Verve Ones Plus. Now, they come in this little kind of cylinder, which is where you charge them as well, but they have no cord at all. They are basically two earbuds without, without the cable in between. So they are fully wireless, fully wireless. Now, here's my problem with them. Have you ever got headphones to snugly fit in your ears? I mean, now and then headphones fall out. What happens when one of these things fall out and you lose it? That's my real challenge with these things. I'm not sure that I could actually trust myself jogging, certainly running, let alone walking with a set of headphones that are likely to fall out of my ear and I'm never going to see them again. So, interesting little product. What do you think? Um... Uh, are you excited by the idea of fully wireless headphones? Or do you like the idea? Maybe it, maybe it's good because you can put one in and just, you know, listen to what you need through one of them. Don't know. Have, the, have a look at the full review over at eftm.com.au. And just quickly before we go, um, short show this week, I apologise. Um, lot on. Not really. Get in touch. And to the people that uh, emailed this week and I couldn't get in touch with, sorry about that, but uh, you've got to answer your phone. Um, so there were a few people, Christine, Belinda, I try to get hold of you tonight. I'll um, try again next week, try and help you out. So um, if you do get in touch uh, via the website, eftm.com.au, and you've got a tech question, you do need to be available for me to call you and say good day. Um, I'll be completely honest, I don't provide email support. It's not what I do. Um, me emailing you back um, with help helps no one but you. And I know that sounds rude, but what's the benefit for me in that? That's why I do the calls. Um, so the other thing I want to tell you about was uh, Vodafone's prepaid. Now, we I've banged on for years, three years now, actually, about um, Vodafone's global roaming, $5 a day roaming. Unbelievable value, right? $5 a day, you use your phone like you want to. But if you're a prepaid customer, no good for you because there's no offer available for Vodafone anyway. Telstra do have some add-on packs that work for prepaid customers as well, but Vodafone this week launched prepaid roaming packs, $25 and $35. Now, the $25 plan lasts three days, 
and you get 100 meg of data, 30 minutes of calls, and 30 SMSs. Or for $25 over three days, you just get 200 meg of data, no calls, no texts. The other one is $35 over seven days, 250 meg of data with 60 minutes of calls, 60, minutes, 60 texts, or $35 seven days, 500 meg of data. Now, I just want to be clear, that's not a lot of data. So be cautious, be careful about your usage overseas. So I still think you need to put into place some data-saving travel tips, which I've listed on the website. But very good news for prepaid customers. Um, very good news for prepaid customers who can now roam overseas um, in the applicable countries that are um, accepted by Vodafone. Um, and it, once again, a good move from Vodafone to, to lead the pack in terms of their, um, their offering to customers uh, and always doing a great job as best they can. Um, you're listening to Your Tech Life. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, that's a wrap. That's enough. That's, well, that's enough for me anyway. I appreciate your support. Um, uh, back again on Saturday afternoon on 2UE uh, at 3 p.m. Talking technology, if you want to call then on 13, 13, 32. And I'm also continuing to host the Sunday afternoon program on 2UE, midday till 6 p.m. every Sunday for the next four weeks through August. Um, filling in for Clinton Maynard, who's doing some weekday work. So, Always happy to help and take your calls then on non-technology things. We talk fun stuff like um, naming ferries or, um, um, you know, memories of, of the good old days. Um, we have a lot of fun and it's uh, great to be on the radio helping um, people and, and having fun on the radio on 2UE, 2UE954. Um, and if you're in your local area, listening to local radio, not in Sydney, then um, send me an email. I'll let you know where I, where I appear closest to you. And if you listen to the radio and you hear someone talking about tech and they're not as good as me, hey, tell the radio station. I'll talk to them. Uh, all good fun uh, Your Tech Life with Trevor Long thanks to Garmin and Alcatel we'll be back again next week with episode 341 Two Blokes Talking Tech um, this week will be um, via the interwebs um, Stephen's in New York with Samsung for Unpacked we'll get the new Note 7 and uh, potentially with Iris scanning and all these cool things but I don't think it's a very popular phone so not really that big a deal for me but um, we'll talk to Stephen on Two Blokes Talking Tech that'll be out hopefully tomorrow evening at the latest. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. We'll be back again next week. Chat soon. Email me via the website eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Your Tech tech Life with Trevor Long.